Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're in the extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Clay Wilson. In this week's edition, we put the spotlight on netball as the new national domestic season begins in the wake of a Silver Ferns decline that led to the team's first failure to win a Commonwealth Games medal. We also look at the sale of the Warriors finally being completed, New Zealand cricket eyeing a potential return to Pakistan for the Black Caps, and some international reaction to golfer Lydia Coe's return to title success. While the review into the Silver Ferns' poor Commonwealth Games performance rumbles on, the players are back on court this weekend as the new New Zealand domestic season gets underway. The decline of the national team means there is plenty of interest in what this year's ANZ Premiership will produce and what is the competition's second year since the loss of the Trans-Tasman League with Australia. I spoke with RNZ sports reporter Ravinda Hunia ahead of the opening round of games and started by asking whether the competition had something to prove in the wake of the Ferns' Gold Coast failure. I'm not quite sure if it needs to prove itself, but it does have a big task ahead of it, and that's only because of what's happened with the Silver Ferns um, over the international series. I think there's a lot of pressure there for our domestic sides to perform well, especially those Silver Ferns that were involved um, in the Commonwealth Games. Um, But in terms of proving itself, it's in its second year, Um, It's still a very young competition with uh, an overhaul of players this season with so many leaving from last year and a whole new wave of next generation players coming in this year. So it's almost like a fresh start for this competition. Uh, I think that this competition may also set the pace for the next international series. So hopefully it's, it's kind of viewed that way. You spoke there about the Commonwealth Games. In the wake of that, does it look like it was a mistake to walk away from the trans-Tasman competition with Australia? Possibly. I think there was nothing wrong with walking away from Australia and starting your own competition if you knew that when you were walking away that there was a system in place, that the foundation was laid down ready to go with that New Zealand-only competition. Uh, In this case, maybe not so much. Maybe they weren't so ready in terms of each team can only have one import player per team. No New Zealand player can leave New Zealand if they want to play for the Silver Ferns. So in that respect, um, they're not getting the world exposure anymore. They're not getting that world competition. So, you know, you can only improve and grow so much when players are only playing each other rather than having that international competition. So obviously, ideally, this competition would help and benefit the Silver Ferns. How much actual impact has it had on the Silver Ferns squad? I think in terms of the Silver Ferns growing and evolving with world netball, it's affected it in that sense because there's no world exposure in the competition at all. Um, Netball New Zealand are very precious about keeping a Kiwi style of play, and they've got that, um, but 
does it measure up against a, a forever evolving Australian competition, which is arguably the best in the world? Does it compare up against um, teams in the Super League in England, which is growing now? Even the South African um, domestic competition is growing as well. So, I mean, the effects on the Silver Ferns were quite evident. Um, but in terms of that, there's also now effects on the ANZ Premiership, you know, because of the Silver Ferns. It's, it's gone around kind of in full circle. So it's kind of a vicious cycle when you don't have uh, the international exposure. Does it also say something that most of the leading international players are choosing to play in the Australian competition? Oh, very much so. As a professional player, a professional athlete in general in any sport, you want to grow, you want to evolve with the sport and you want to be the best at what you're doing or be a part of a team that can go, you know, have the capability of going to a championship final and, and potentially getting a title. Um, that It's very hard to kind of measure up uh, New Zealand against Australia when you've only got New Zealand players who aren't doing well on the international stage. And just finally, looking ahead to the actual first round of games this weekend, Mm -hmm. what are the main games or what are the things people should be keeping an eye on? So this weekend they have their Super Sunday round one um, clash in um, Palmerston North where the Steel, the um, grand final winners from last year, will play the Mystics, the Pulse will play the Magic and the Stars will play the Tactics, which are great measures for a first round um, but my game to watch would probably be on Monday night, which is a grand final rematch between the Steel and the Pulse. Two very different looking sides this year. Both sides have lost their key shooters in Janelle Fowler-Reed for the Steel and Catherine Tuivaiti for the Pulse. Defensive ends look very different as well. And a lot, as of the rosters that were announced, the Pulse are the youngest squad in the ANZ Premiership. So it'd be very interesting to see how those two teams stack up against each other um, as opposed to the grand final we saw last year. RNZ sports reporter Ravinda Hunia there talking all things netball ahead of the opening round of the ANZ Premiership this weekend. Months of speculation and negotiations between several different parties came to an end this week when the sale of the Warriors Rugby League Club was officially confirmed. In what is a joint partnership, the majority stakeholder in the NRL franchise will be the Carlaw Park Trust, which is an arm of the Auckland Rugby League. An Auckland business with a long-standing history of supporting rugby league, Ortex Industries, has partnered with the Trust in the purchase. I spoke with Trust and Auckland Rugby League chairperson Cameron McGregor after the announcement at Mount Smart Stadium and started by asking him how it felt to finally get the deal done. Oh, it's been a, been a very long process and of course at one stage there we, we pulled back uh, out of the process because um, we, uh, we were not comfortable where, where uh, things were heading and um, so, you know, to be able to come back in and, and uh, you know, conclude a deal is, is very satisfying. What do you believe was the difference in getting your deal across the line? I, I believe the difference was that the we were able to offer a cash settlement and we were able to offer uh, a very um, a very quick uh, process and and quick settlement and uh, I believe that's um, what the owners were looking for at the end of the day. Um, there's no doubt that. We were preferred by the game, we were preferred by 
uh, NRL, uh, and um, I think it just made it a much easier process to deal with us in the end than anybody else. You mentioned there about the NRL preferring you and the game preferring you. Is that satisfying that you can be a really strongly New Zealand-based group owning a New Zealand club? Oh, I think it's it's you know it's the heart of of what we're, we're trying to do and what we bring to the club. And um, I just mentioned before that really what what we aim to do and what we can bring to the club is we've got 32 clubs and 15,000 people, uh, players playing rugby league in Auckland. That's what we bring to the Warriors. We bring a backbone that that perhaps hasn't been there, a strength that... uh, uh, of the game and the local game and uh, we really want to marry, make sure that we marry the two together. I guess a lot of people perhaps with a, a change of ownership mid-season will be concerned that things are going to change and the Warriors have been going well but you sound pretty determined that continuity for the time being anyway is, is what you want. Oh definitely, we, we're, you know, this has been a long process and we'd hoped that uh, you know, we could have got this across uh, the line before the season started. Now, that wasn't possible. Um, but um, you know we've continued on to, to this point in time, and um, we certainly don't want to disrupt what's happening now at, at the Warriors. We want to we want to help the process. We don't want to hinder it, and uh, and if anything, you know bring bring extra strengths and bring extra things to the table that uh, perhaps will help them go even further. Obviously, you want this to contribute to growing things at a grassroots level, but how important are results for this club, for you guys as the new owners? Oh, they're they're extremely important. We saw last year how the results of the Warriors and and the Kiwi League team, uh, the support level in New Zealand here um, drops off. There is no doubt that when the Warriors are really performing well and the game's on a high here that... um, you know the game game grows at a grassroots level, and um, so we have to be successful. And and the way that we see it, there's no reason why they can't be. As I said, if we put the right structures in place, and are able to supply the right players with the right skills, then uh, there's no reason why why the Warriors shouldn't be a top four side. We want to be another Brisbane Broncos or a Melbourne Storm. That was Cameron McGregor the chairperson for the Warriors' new majority stakeholders, the Carlaw Park Trust. New Zealand cricket is considering playing a series in Pakistan for the first time in 15 years. At an International Cricket Council meeting in India last week, Pakistan asked New Zealand if they would play a 2020 series in Pakistan rather than the United Arab Emirates. New Zealand haven't played in Pakistan since 2003 because of security concerns and the UAE has become the home base for Pakistan. The Black Caps abandoned their last test tour of Pakistan in 2002 after a bomb exploded outside their Karachi hotel, although they did play a one-day series there in 2003. New Zealand will play tests and one-dayers against Pakistan in the UAE in November. The chief executive of the New Zealand Cricket Players Association, Heath Mills, says they'll be following their normal protocols before a tour. All we'll simply do is work with New Zealand Cricket to follow the, the standard pre-tour security check process that we've had in place now for 15, 20 years, where, which we follow before the team goes away on any overseas tour. So we'll, we'll look forward to working with New Zealand Cricket on, um, and work through that process. And at the end of it, if it determines that, that it would be OK for the team to go to Pakistan, then, then so be it. And, but if it, equally, if it's, you know, the outcome is that 
uh, the risk is too high, then uh, we, we have every confidence in New Zealand cricket to have player safety and the team's safety is, is the number one priority. Do you think anything much has changed in recent years that the stance would also change? Oh, look, it's, it's very very hard to make any assessments from afar about the, the situation on the ground in, in Pakistan, and that, that's why we have such a comprehensive pro- process that we follow. Um, it's really not up to players um, or even people like me to decide whether it's safe or not. We need to work with um, independent security experts and need to need to consult um, independent people on the ground in, in any country that we might be going to to understand the risk assessment and then also, um, and probably more importantly, the security management plan that would be wrapped around um, the team or any matches or, or, or the hotel, etc. So uh, it's hard to say now whether, and it'll be wrong to say now whether it's um, okay to, to go back to Pakistan or not. We simply have to follow the, the security um, check process and see what the outcomes of that are. Of course, they had the Pakistan League, and I think Grant Elliott played there, I think, last year as well. I mean, does that, you know, do you talk to someone like that? Does that make any difference? Yeah, it's interesting. The, the, the players um, are very good at playing cricket, um, but they're certainly not security experts. So some teams have been back there, albeit in an internal domestic premier competition in, in Pakistan. So, you know, whilst we need to understand what's happened there and, and certainly give information about the, the security plans um, and the risks around those events, we really do need to make our own decision. And a lot of that will be based on what the risk is. And obviously when there's international teams touring, um, there, there may or may not be heightened risk around an event. So there's a whole lot of factors that come into play and it's really important that we don't predetermine any, any outcomes from a, from a security check process. I imagine insurance, personal insurance and those sorts of things uh, would be quite costly to tour a place like Pakistan. And, 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 and that's, a, that's a matter for New Zealand cricket to work through its, um, its insurance provisions, and they've got some comprehensive insurance provisions in place. Um, but, but all those sorts of issues and matters, I think, will be discussed during the process. Heath Mills talking to Barry Guy there. After months of frustration, New Zealand golf star Lydia Ko finally returned to the winner's circle on Monday. Coe's victory at the Medi Hill Championship in the US was her 15th win on the LPGA Tour, but her first for almost two years. The two-time major winner fell from the top of the world rankings to 18th during that prolonged period without a title, and also courted plenty of critique for the constant changes she was making to her support team. Morning Report's Guy Nespina spoke to Ron Sirak from the Golf Channel after what was Coe's third win at San Francisco's Lake Merced Golf Club, and started by asking if the victory meant the newly turned 21-year-old Kiwi was back. Yeah, it looks like it. You know, she endured a very long stretch of time with a lot of people second-guessing her uh, about all the changes that she's made. And in the last 16 months, she's gone through three coaches, uh, um, more more than that in in caddies, uh, changed her equipment. And there are a lot of people wondering why somebody who had won 14 LPGA tournaments before the age of 20 would make all those changes. Um, She got so frustrated, she quit reading stories about herself, quit going on social media. 
But I think yesterday, and you could see the emotional relief when the winning putt went in, that she feels like she's got that nightmare behind her now. Well, that's right. I mean, it's not often you see someone who has to be so disciplined in this game and try to really calm her nerves to actually, well, she was crying. There were tears in her eyes. Yeah, and that's not the way that she normally would react after a victory. Uh, I, I do think that um, that that, it, that relief is probably the word because uh, you know she hasn't played that badly, and 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 part of the problem is that the uh, the rest of the women's game too has just gotten better. There are so many good players coming from so many different countries. You look this year on the LPGA, there have been ten tournaments, there have been ten different winners from six different countries, so the quality of competition has gotten better. But she did have to adjust to all those changes she went through, uh, particularly the new swing coach and the new equipment. Mm, yeah, there was quite a bit of publicity about that, including the, the role and, and the pressure, or otherwise her parents were putting her under. Uh, that was generated quite a bit of news here too. Do you think she's just um, this is all settled down now and she's just got back to actually ironing out those issues with her game? Or what would you put this, uh, this down to? Well, I think that she might have a stable team together now. Uh, her new coach, Ted O., is somebody who at the in 1993 at the age of 16 played in the US men's open and uh so he's somebody who understands what it's like to be a child prodigy and her caddy is Johnny Scott a, a sort of burly bear of a Scotsman uh, uh who is uh caddied for Laura Davies caddied for Kari Webb for a while and uh um he they seem to work really really well together when I was at the ANA Inspiration in in Palm Springs uh, he had his uh, two-year-old uh, son out there at the tournament with him, and, and Lydia would play with him on the putting green after her round. So they, they have a real bond. I'm hoping that now that she's, she's got her team together and she'll stick with it and, and see what happens next. Yeah, because I guess, I mean, she, I think she won her first um, professional tournament at about the age of 14. So, That's um, correct, yeah. Yeah, so you, you kind of think that this progress is going to um, take a trajectory which is linear and that she's going to get better and better. But when you look over the course of a career, she's what, early 20s now, 21, 22, um, she's going to have ebbs and flows. Yeah, she just turned 21 last week, in fact. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I think one of the challenges for, and we're seeing particularly in the women's game, more and more young teenagers get out there. When you have success at an early age, and then all of a sudden you hit that little down period, you're not used to anything but success. And, it, and, it's, and we've seen it with, with quite a few players. Uh, Arya Jutanagarn from uh, Thailand is going through that sort of right now. Minji Lee hasn't won in almost two years now, and she had three wins by, before the age of 20. Uh, when all of a sudden the win is not there, it's, it's shocking to you because you're used to being successful at every level you ever played at, and you have to make that mental adjustment. And I think Lydia's making that mental adjustment uh, I always had confidence in her because she's an, an, an extremely intelligent person and she's a, an extremely good-natured person. You know, she, she just rolls with the flow on everything. And uh, I had no doubt she was going to get it back together and I have no doubt she's going to win many more tournaments. That was Guy and Espiner speaking to Ron Sirak from the Golf Channel on Morning Report. That's all for this week on Extra Time. Remember, you can keep up with all the latest sports news via our Twitter account at RNZ Sport. And if you feel like contacting us, you can do so through email. It's sport at radionz.co.nz. Until next week, I'm Clay Wilson. Goodbye for now.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.